Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. everyone. So, just so you know, Miss Bonnie is back from Wisconsin, but since I don't see her today, I will be doing Billy Graham's um, devotional today, but hopefully by next week you're going to have Bonnie back. Changed for life. 
We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. You can scrub a pig, sprinkle channel, Chanel number five on him, put a ribbon around his neck and take him into your living room. But when you turn him loose, he will jump into the first puddle of mud that he sees. That's his nature. And his nature will never change. He's still a pig. We constantly try to reform ourselves. Stores are filled with self-help books claiming to hold the secret to personal reformation, but such efforts are only temporary at best. A deeper transformation is needed, a transformation of the heart. And it is possible, the Bible teaches, that when we come to Christ, we are spiritually born again. God's spirit comes to live within us and change us. Our motives change, our objectives change, our dispositions change. Boy, that happened to me. And our eternal destinies changed. No, it doesn't happen all at once. We will spend the rest of our lives learning what it means to follow Christ. But it begins now as we open our hearts to him. Is your life being transformed from glory to glory? Well, the hope for today, in Christ, we don't have to be who we were yesterday. We don't have to cling to anger, bitterness, regret. In Christ, we are not a cleaned up version of our old selves. We're made brand new. New heart, new spirit. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. <laughs> Oh, good morning, Father God. We praise and thank you to be standing in your presence together this morning. We, as your small family here in this church, raise our hands and our voices and our hearts to the living God who loves us, Abba, Father. We praise and thank you. And Lord, again, I want to thank you especially for the fathers here today those whom you have blessed to lead us, to guide us, to guide children, to protect children, to, to pray for them, to um, uh, provide for them, and to, to be those who stand strong with moral courage in you. Father, that is our, that, that is our fathers, and we want to thank you for them today. And we give you glory and thanksgiving for all that you do for us, all that you provide for us each day as our Father. In Jesus' name, please bless our time together as we worship here today. Please bless our pastor as he provides your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God is among you.
the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast.
As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life. Are we going? When did they leave? 
What time is it? I don't have time for you. Well, according to Ecclesiastes, there, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Isaiah 49.8 tells us this, Thus says the Lord, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. And one more I'm sneaking in out of the New Testament, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. There's a concept that's hard to grasp. Would you stand with me for the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, 
also Simon's brother, James, son of Zebedee, and John, James' brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with their in these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money for your mo in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. And this week we have a unison reading that's again part of the Athanasian Creed. Uh, we could do the whole thing if we did it in single point. And <laughs> just as, join me please. Just as Christ's truth compels us to confess each person individually as both God and Lord, so Catholic religion forbids us to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father was neither made nor created, nor begotten from anyone. The Son was never made or created. He was begotten from the Father alone. The Holy Spirit was neither made nor created nor begotten. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide us every day. We know that all things belong to you and all the paths that we take are ones that you have laid out. So Lord, we ask that as we enjoy the world that you have, you have allowed us to be in, that we also will give back so that others can come see, find the path to you. Lord, we know that path is narrow. But we know that you call on us to help lead others there. Lord, we ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Father, if you know my heart, surely you can read my mind. 
Good morning. In honor of Father's Day, I wanted to offer some consolation to those of you who have lost fathers or husbands who are fathers to your children. The most difficult thing I've ever done in my life was to sign the order to disconnect my dad from life support. As I stood by his bed, the uh, beeping of the heart monitor slowed and slowed. And my heart rate slowed with his heart rate to the point I thought I was going to die. He'd taken a fall off a ladder while climbing down from a roof and hit his head on a concrete planter. The fall crushed his skull. After his funeral, I grieved for uh, quite a while. I would often think I saw him in a crowd. It was, uh, it was difficult. I just couldn't believe he was gone. The song we just played uh, came out not long before my dad passed. It has given me comfort for years. We are all waiting for the ultimate healing. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Home free eventually at the ultimate healing, we will be home free. Yes, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for our fathers, grandfathers, men of faith. And Lord, even if our fathers weren't the greatest, even if they left us, we have a heavenly father who is the ultimate father, the ultimate in love, the ultimate in patience, who is always there for us. And we thank you and bless your name. Father, this day, pray that you'll bless every word. May it shine with your glory. May every word encourage each heart, each and every heart. Anoint every word, Father, for your glory and the benefit of these good people. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> the title of my sermon this morning is Signs and Wonders. The text is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. This is a very important message. I hope that you will listen intently. Slide 2, please. From the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Why would they go to the temple at three o'clock? There were prayer services at 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. Jesus died at 3 p.m. Slide three, please. Each day the lame man was put beside the temple gate, the one called the gate beautiful, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Why did this man choose the gate beautiful to beg at? 
Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, tells us the gate called beautiful was called so because it was overlaid with elaborate metalwork done in fine Corinthian brass. There were other gates overlaid with gold and silver, but this was called the gate beautiful because it was so ornate. This gate was a double door, both doors 75 feet high. In 1541, the Ottoman Sultan Suleiman sealed up this gate with stones, and it has remained thus ever since. Why? Because the Muslims know that the scriptures say Jesus will enter this eastern gate at his second coming. <clears throat> they also have placed row upon row of Muslim graves immediately in front of the eastern gate, thinking this would prevent Jesus from entering there. But I've got news for our Muslim friends and brothers. The Jesus I know has walked through many a graveyard. No one will prevent Jesus' second coming, nor his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. No one. The gate beautiful, also known as the Eastern Gate, was the gate the scribes and Pharisees preferred to enter. The scribes and Pharisees thought of the Eastern Gate as the VIP gate. And the lame man knew <clears throat> excuse me, how the scribes and Pharisees loved to be giving, seeing uh, the scribes and Pharisees loved to be seen giving alms to the poor. Therefore, this was a choice location for begging. Slide four. When the lame man saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. Slide five, please. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Peter said, look at us. Therefore, the man's eyes were riveted on them expecting something. But don't you know the moment Peter said, I don't have any money, he thought to himself, oh, wonderful. This must be a joke. The lame man had no idea what he was about to receive. But actually, the lame man had a leg up on you and me. No pun intended. He was living in expectancy, not expectation. There's a difference. 
He knew he had no right to expect anything from anybody, but he lived in expectancy. This is how he survived. This is how you and I should live, in expectancy. He lived in hope that someone would extend him favor, that someone would extend him grace. Most of us don't expect to receive from God, and therefore we receive less than what God intends. We're going to talk about healing this morning. God's desire is to heal us, but all too often we either don't believe or we don't ask. And we don't ask because we really don't see ourselves as children of God. We have no problem seeing ourselves as beggars, but seeing ourselves as children of a loving Father God, that's a problem for us. We struggle with this. God's will is to help and heal us, all of us. But there are exceptions, like in the case of the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I asked the Lord three times to remove this thorn in my flesh. Most theologians believe when he referred to his thorn in the flesh, it was some kind of physical deformity. But the Lord replied, my grace is sufficient for your need. Sometimes God doesn't heal us because he knows suffering purifies our hearts and minds. In Paul's case, I think the suffering kept him humble. You remember he talked about the fact that he was a Pharisee, a Jew among Jews. Paul had a lot to be proud of. And now he's been bestowed with the custodian of the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul had a lot to be proud of. But the main reason you and I don't receive healing is because our faith is small. Our, either that or our gratitude is small. Remember what I've been telling you. Gratitude precedes miracles. Slide six, please. Scripture is very clear. The Lord loves a thankful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There's a story of a pope and a monk. The monk has made a pilgrimage to the Vatican and has been awarded a special audience with the pope, in which the pope offers to give the monk a private tour of the Vatican. Walking through the Vatican, the pope points to the Sistine Chapel and to various artifacts overlaid with gold. Then the Pope turns to the monk and looks him directly in the eye and he says, isn't it wonderful that we no longer have to say like St. Peter, silver and gold I do not have. The monk thought on this for a moment then said, yes, your holiness. But isn't it sad that we can no longer say, rise and walk. Why don't we see more signs and wonders today? Go to the mission field, go to India, Iran, China, or Nigeria. Go start evangelizing and watch what God will do. 
miracles will happen. Go anywhere in the world where people are hungry for God and miracles will happen. We've all heard of how God is appearing to the Muslims, especially in Iran, appearing to them in their dreams. Muslims in Iran are turning to Jesus by the hundreds. Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. Why? Persecution. To quote John Corson, But even if you never see or experience a miracle in your lifetime, even if you pray for people all the time and God never does something miraculous through you, you're in good company. Jesus said, of all the men who had lived up to the time of John the Baptist, John was the greatest of them all. Elijah called down fire from heaven. Elisha raised the dead. Moses parted the Red Sea. But Jesus said to John the Baptist, among those who are born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Matthew 11, 11. Yet John the Baptist never performed a miracle. Slide 7, please. John chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. And many who followed Jesus said this, John didn't perform miraculous signs, but everything he said about this man Jesus has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. In this verse, Jesus is preaching near the Jordan River. And he makes it very clear. John never did a single miracle. But these people are saying, this Jesus performed miracle after miracle. How can we not believe in him? You may never pray for, receive, or even see a miracle. But if you live your faith and light your little corner of the world, people will see Jesus in your life. And that's a miracle in itself. Miracles are not our business. All miracles are God's business. And on the subject of miracles, I have a, a real problem with Bill Johnson and Bethel Church. Bethel's a megachurch mega in Redding, California. My number one problem with Bill Johnson is his teachings on the prosperity gospel. They're heresy. And the sad thing is that Bethel Church is sending missionaries all throughout the world preaching this prosperity gospel. Imagine preaching the prosperity gospel to the poor of the poor the poorest of the poor, and telling them they need to give out of their need. That's found nowhere in Scripture. His second heresy is God tells us to just open our mouth and he will fill it. Now Scripture speaks to this, but not in the context that Bill Johnson teaches. What Bill Johnson teaches is patently false. Jesus told us how this works in John 5, 19. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing and in the same way. In other words, Jesus is saying, I do only what the Father tells me to do, not what I wish. 
Bill Johnson teaches you should go ahead and say whatever you wish for God to do and he will bless it. That is not in scripture. That is not what the Bible teaches. We do not arbitrarily go about doing whatever we perceive to be God's will and expect God to bless it. Don't open your mouth unless you are painstakingly sure that the Holy Spirit is prompting what you speak. And not your own puffed up ego. And this is why I have a very low opinion of all the current litany of preachers and televangelists who call themselves prophets. The Old Testament prophets held an ordained office, ordained by God. They held an office. And the last person to hold the office of prophet was Jesus Christ. In other words, if you don't have a book in the Bible named after you, you're not a prophet. Prophecy today is a gifting. It is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is not an office. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. How many church-age prophets had been stoned to death for prophesying something that didn't happen? None. Many so-called modern prophets have predicted the date of Jesus' return or various calamities that never happened. In the Old Testament times, they would have been stoned to death. Now, I know what Ephesians 4.11 says, and I quote, Now, these are the gifts Christ gives to the church. Notice it says the gifts God gives to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Old Testament prophets had to fulfill all these roles. But in the New Testament church, God apportions these roles to various people in the congregation. Remember what I told you before, in the New Testament church, a prophet is anyone who speaks for God. For instance, Linda has told me that she has a special message that's been placed on her heart expressly for this congregation. And she will share that when I'm on vacation in July. This makes her a church age prophet. She will speak for God. Any of us can if we live in perfect submission to God. John Piper makes this distinction between church age and Old Testament prophets. He said, prophecies of this age are mixed with the truth of Scripture and the weakness of human flesh. In other words, church age prophecy can be flawed. That's why you must measure every word that is spoken from this pulpit from me or anyone else. You must measure it against the word of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit to your heart. Slide 8. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 from the NLT. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in this world. When Old Testament prophets spoke, they spoke the very Word of God. They spoke the canon of Scripture. And it was and is immutable. 
And that word was recorded in what the Jews call the Tanakh, what we call the Old Testament. In other words, all the oracles of God have already been written down. There's none to be added. Old Testament prophets were indeed the oracles of God, and they suffered greatly if they did not do or speak God's truth. Just ask Jonah. Of course, many times they suffered greatly, were even put to death because they spoke the truth. Just ask Isaiah and Jeremiah. There are a litany of TV evangelists who call themselves prophets, and I won't listen to any of them. For instance, go to YouTube and you'll see all the ballyhoo about the red heifers. And ballyhoo it is because the red heifers will only have significance when the third temple is rebuilt. And that won't happen until Antichrist is revealed. So if you're here to see the red heifers sacrificed on the altar in Israel, you miss the rapture. But we need to understand something about our text this morning. I'll guarantee you that the Holy Spirit of the living God whispered in Peter's ear, I want to heal this man. Now grab him by the hand and lift him up to his feet. You and I, we are not the Holy Spirit. We are agents of the Holy Spirit. There's a story that is told of Chuck Smith, the founder of the chapel, uh, Calvary Chapel movement. He was preaching here in Arizona, and two ladies, while he was preaching, pushed a paralyzed man in a wheelchair up to the pulpit. And Chuck said, the Holy Spirit told me, I want to heal this man. Pray for him, and then lift him up from his wheelchair. Chuck did as God instructed, and the man stood up healed. Later, the two women who wheeled the man up to Chuck said, we just want you to pray for his head cold. <laughs> Healing's all God's business. It's all God's business. We don't tell God who needs to be healed. It's all his business. We don't do a thing without God's direction and the anointing of his Holy Spirit. Listed among the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of faith. Let me make some clarification here. We assume that if we have faith to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the gift of faith. Not so. Slide 9, please. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit to give a message of special knowledge, which Linda will give to you in July. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. Prophecy is a gift. The gift of faith is a gift of extraordinary faith. The faith required to raise people from the dead and lame from their wheelchairs. 
Now let's talk about the gift of healing. Very few people have this. And I'll promise you, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn do not have this gift. They are charlatans. But does this give us a reason not to pray for the sick? Absolutely not. James 5.14 is very clear. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. No caveats, no exceptions. But the reason for the miraculous is always, always evangelism. If the Lord heals you from a dread disease, he heals you for the purpose of you telling everyone you meet about the grace and goodness of God. Slide 10, please. This from Peter's sermon. Back to our text. Verse 17. Pay particular attention to the underlying passage. Peter said, friends, I realize that you and your leaders did to Jesus, what you did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and return to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. The World Health Organization has just issued a digital passport. It's already in effect. Eighty countries, including the EU, are currently using it. Experts predict it will be implemented globally within the next 12 months. In other words, you won't be able to travel anywhere in the world without this passport. Sound like 666? By the way, have you figured out that COVID was planned? What's the mantra of socialism? Never let a disaster go to waste. Never miss an opportunity to make the masses live in fear. The protocols set in place for COVID are now being used to make us all march in step with the new world order. And if you think the World Health Organization isn't ruled by the global elite, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. And he, Father God, will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. One of the gurus of the World Economic Forum has boasted that artificial Intelligence could rewrite the Bible with new concepts and beliefs that are more socially acceptable and would establish unified and correct religions. His target is five years.
One world religion is coming, and it's coming fast. I've told you about the Pope and the Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi. On one campus, a Jewish synagogue, a Christian church, and a Muslim mosque. Oh, let's all dance together. The World Economic Forum's boast of one world digital currency by 2030 is way ahead of schedule. We're living in the last of the last days. It's time for all of us who call ourselves Christians to get very, very serious about our faith and preach Jesus to everyone we meet. I believe five years from now, none of us will want to be here. Slide 11, please. Hebrews 12.2 from the New King James. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Amplified Bible phrases it this way stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who brings our faith to maturity. Yes, amen. To summarize what we've learned this morning, let's hearken back to what we learned last Sunday. Slide 12, please. Acts 2, 42 through 43. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We will never accomplish what the early church did until we accomplish their devotion. Their devotion to God and to one another. Until a deep sense of awe consumes each and every one of us, we will not see signs and wonders at least not by our own hands. The Holy Spirit is given to all believers, each and every one of us, think about this, as spiritual Wi-Fi. We can pull up Jesus.com anytime we wish. We can summon the power of heaven anytime we wish with just a prayer. God doesn't speak to just one man or one people group or one nation anymore. Now when he speaks, his words are broadcast to the entire church, the global family of God, through his Holy Spirit. You could call it wide area network. But caution, beware of false teachers. They're everywhere. Do not follow after these TV holy men who claim to have esoteric knowledge. There is no esoteric knowledge that the Holy Spirit has not already made us aware. 
by way of God's Holy Spirit, we are all tuned in to Radio Jesus. And he broadcasts his truth to everyone who has accepted him as Lord and Savior. Like that old gospel song says, turn your radio on, listen to the music in the air, turn the lights down low, and listen to the master's radio. Get in touch with God, turn your radio on. The signal for Jesus is strong. And all you have to do is sit down and listen. The age of the prophets is over. This is the age of the apostles. And you and I are the prophets, apostles, teachers, and preachers. You may not teach or preach, but you're still called to be an apostle. Therefore, there's only one question. Are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to share your faith in Jesus? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what you said in Scripture is more true today than ever. The harvest is ripe and laborers are few. Lord God, we ask that you inspire us, that you empower us to answer the call. We would be filled with your awe. We would glory in your presence, revel in your presence. Teach us, Father, your truth and empower us to share that truth to everyone we meet. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you all. It wasn't any herb or ointment that healed them, but your word alone. Lord, which heals everything.
is God's word, his promise, and he is, he is a healing God. The Bible says that God's word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed us. And God's word and his name are more powerful than any cancer, heart disease, or any disease that you could name. And no one listening to, the, to me would doubt that if Jesus walked into the, the room right now and touched you, that you would be healed. The same power is in his word. So we're going to put his word on our lips and sing it back to him. And as we do, let his word touch you. Say be it unto me according to your word. So let his healing come as we sing. You are the God that healeth me. Sing it together.